Ladies and gentlemen, Elite Heat is back, and this is a show I'm very much looking forward to. I know a few listeners have told me they're very much looking forward to. This is Elite Heat's take on undisputed first take, a sort of debate sort of show. Um, We've got a, a run sheet worth of questions to go through, some big relevant topics. But first, Kevin, how you doing, pal? I'm good. How are you, pal? Great. Oh, great. The JTE channel's back. <laughs> We're making content. People yep. loving it. It's WrestleMania season. Vince McMahon's back running the ship, apparently. <laughs> so, Vinnie Mac, pal. All right. So, what, what do you want to like? What do you want to start this off with? I don't want to waste any more time. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting to record this. I want to get right to it. Where, where, where do you want to start, pal? Pal, I, I want to get your brutally honest thoughts. After what happened on Raw, there was a big outcry from the wrestling community, yeah. specifically on Twitter, but just generally the internet wrestling community, about one Vince McMahon. And Kevin, following the Endeavor sale and all everything going on with that, WWE, UFC under the same umbrella, I want your honest opinion. What will be the effect, if any, of Vince McMahon being back in creative? Well, we saw the effect. We saw it on Raw. People were saying this was the worst Raw after Mania in years. Years. I, I can't remember, like, the last time we had a great Raw after Mania. Maybe, like, whatever, 2013, 14. Doesn't really matter. But it's been a while since we had a great one. But to say that this was one of the worst, because we've had, like, some bad Monday Night Raws. What was it, 2017? The Raw after Mania, where the only highlight was Roman Reigns get, getting booed for, like, three minutes straight till he went to commercial? Yeah. The only highlight that I remember, at least. I'm sure somebody out there remembers some match that great match that took place between Dolph Ziggler and Brian Danielson, pal. But, yeah, so, not a lot is going to change. Or, it's in terms of what we saw prior to the Triple H era. Like, if Vince isn't creative, like, it's going to be what it was. It's going to be Baron Corbin with dog food. You know? We're going to have King Corbin doing three segments a show. We have, we barely seen Baron Corbin since Triple H has been in charge. But with Vince back, he's going to be, like, a front runner for the most TV time. Yeah. You know, we're going to see cheesy characters. We're going to see bad one-liners and childish promos. And like, like we saw already, like the show getting changed on air. Like, how how frustrating would that be for the people that are working for the crew? Where like you got this whole show planned out. Presumably, Nick Khan and, and uh, Paul Levesque plan the show out weeks in advance. Um, and you know, it's not a stressful environment. Like Triple H is not running around with his with his reading glasses on, screaming at people, changing scripts. Like that's a Vince McMahonism. So it, it's a calm environment. People are like, all right, the, the Triple H era is kicking. We just had a great WrestleMania. Interest is at an all time high. WrestleMania, and then all of a sudden Seth Rollins is in the ring, and they they cut the commercial, and he's getting fed instructions on what to do for his segment in the ring. Like, (laughs) what is going on? There's supposed to be, like, triple threat matches, apparently, that got scrapped, like, number one contenders, women's matches, and just you name it. So, I mean, pretty much for me, if Vince McMahon is back fully in charge of creative, I don't see a reason why to watch WWE. Do you? Like, what, why would you watch Raw and SmackDown at, at that point? Yeah. I, is it my turn? I don't know. Okay, well, look. I'll address your first point. Um, as far as the Raw's after Mania, I saw this on Cage Match. It was like, one of the worst shows ever as far as star ratings, which I, I think is just a gross overreaction. But that was not one of the worst shows. I get it. The, the show... Like, and I know I watched this, most of this show back as far as the clips, 
was there a bit of a, a Vince feel to it? I don't know. Sure, at some matches, some things are a bit like, eh, I don't know. And yes, Kevin, I saw that clip of Seth Rollins getting fed lines and what to do during commercial, and he was like, WTF, what? Like, he's standing there in the ring. I saw the, the clip of the production members seeing, the, seeing they're doing their job with the cameras, and then someone runs over with another run sheet in the middle of the show. I saw that. That's kind of comical. Um, but nonetheless, back to the initial point. Was this one of the worst Raws after WrestleMania ever? I mean, we haven't had a good one since 2014. Let, let's keep it all the way real here. You look at these Raws after Mania, I, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, Kevin, the Raw after WrestleMania 2021, I remember, I forget exactly, I can remember one thing that happened, but I remember we were yelling about that, saying it was one of the worst shows ever. From memory, Retribution beat up Drew McIntyre. If I, if I had to remember what happened, that, that was an absolutely terrible show. I think The Miz was in his underwear falling over on the stage. I think that was that episode. So uh. stuff like that. 2022, I don't even remember last year. 2020 was literally like the big show, nearly winning the WWE title. They like, showed a rerun. It was in the COVID era. 2019 was Seth Rollins having a match with Kobe Kingston, I think. I don't even remember some other years. 2015, Michael Cole got assaulted by Brock Lesnar. Um, I, I don't know. Point being, the only good Raw after Mania I can remember, the last one was 2014 when it was like the Shield and Evolution had a face off and they did some other fun stuff on that show. So point being here, Raw's after Mania usually aren't good to begin with. Let's just be real here. This year's one wasn't great. The main event part of it was why the rating was so good. They got 2.2 something million viewers. Best number they've had in a while, Kevin which is good to see from that perspective. And look, I'll say this. I can't watch Raw to begin with. Three hours is too much for me. It's too much for a lot of people. I don't know about you. You can, I'll throw you in a moment on this and get your thoughts. But to me, I don't care what happens an hour and 15 minutes into Raw. I'm not personally that invested. If, if heaven forbid Vince McMahon is booking random squash garbage an hour and 10 minutes in with Elias squashing someone. Okay. It's not the best, but I'm not really watching it anyway. So from a selfish point of view, whatever really Kevin to me, the big deal with this Vince McMahon thing is SmackDown because SmackDown is the watchable show to me. It's the most engaging show. It's the most interesting show. You got, you know, you got Gunther on there, the IC title. That's basically Roman's show, even though he holds both titles Raws an afterthought for him. He said that in promos. So really, what happens to SmackDown, I'm interested to see. Raw is whatever. I don't watch it. I don't care. Seth Rollins will have a promo on there. Baron Corbin might get more TV time now. Brock Lesnar, who's showed up on nearly every Raw this year and every pay-per-view, which that doesn't get mentioned. Brock has been full-time this year. It's actually cool to see. Yeah, Raw is whatever, Kevin. I'm not fussed about Vince McMahon and created for that. What I am very concerned about is if Vince McMahon starts grabbing grabbing control of that pen and taking over SmackDown, getting Paul Levesque's run sheet. Oh, damn it, pal. No, no. Oh, I'm going to redo that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn, come here. Come here, pal. We're going to change at the 10-minute mark. We're going to go to commercial before the Roman Reigns segment. Oh, yeah. Then, then we're going to have Jey Uso. Oh, yeah. Paul, Heyman, Heyman, come over here. Come over, yeah, pal. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, this is so good. Oh. It's so good, Vince. Oh, yeah. Like, when it becomes like that for SmackDown, wow. 
then I have issues. That was incredible. Raw. That was an incredible Vince McMahon impression. Was it? Yeah, that was great. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, pal. It, I've got a, like a croaky morning voice, so it works for like old Vince. Where he's like, oh, 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 pal. oh Endeavor. Endeavor for, tw- for $9 billion. Yeah, hush money, yeah, pal. No, so there's that. Um, but yeah, my whole stance on it is Triple H's shows... I didn't watch Raw, period. I, Raw is Raw. I can't watch it. SmackDown is what matters. If SmackDown goes to hell and it becomes unwatchable, then I have real issues. Um, but for right now, watch this space. So, yeah. Over to you, pal. It's your turn. Yeah, I mean, there's very few incentive as it is to sit back and watch, like, a two-hour show on Friday night, three-hour show on Monday night. Like, what is the incentive... With Vince now being in charge, like this, you know, when you when you can literally watch the whole show on YouTube, you can watch the the entire show on YouTube and like catch all the clips and or watch it, watch the highlights on Twitter. You know, I, I think like at the the height of the Triple H era. I mean, it's kind of weird to say the height; it's only like eight months, but it feels like people like I, like myself. Like I would tune in if I was like home and didn't have anything to do on a Monday night. I'd tune in and watch like two hours of Raw, see what's going on. And I hadn't done that, I couldn't tell you the last time I was doing that, aside from in the middle of the pandemic, you know, just like you knew what was going to happen every week. It was so predictable. And that's really the the number one thing for me. Um, I, I know I know you touched on like what Vince is going to do to SmackDown, but it's like the predictability of the Vince McMahon yeah. shows. Like SmackDown without Roman Reigns, to be what Gunther's going to come out, cut a nice promo, Drew McIntyre's going to come out, say, I don't like you. We We chop each other. And that's it. You know, like we beat each other up in, in LA. We beat each other up in this city. And now we're going to beat each other up in Detroit in front of these fans. That's what we're looking at now, that, that kind of cheesy stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think as well, because from a content creator point of view, I think Vince McMahon running the show is terrible. Yes. And that's because there's so much unpredictability to the sense that nothing matters anymore. When there's no consistency, at least Kevin with the Triple H shows, it's consistent. I could tell you who's being pushed, who's being booked well consistently. I, as a creator, can then make content about those wrestlers. Gunther, for instance, you know, when Triple H was booking Theory, I could you know, more make content off of what he was doing with Theory as opposed to whatever Vince was doing, where it was like, oh, I'm your, you know, your chosen one, I Austin Theory, blah, and then he was just losing. It was a mess. With this, I can, it's easy to make content when Triple H is running the show from a content creator's point of view. Because, Kevin, oh, my God, remember a year ago when it was Brock versus Roman, nothing else mattered, and then Charlotte was facing Ronda Powell, the biggest match of the century, and literally everything else was Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville running around, and it was Baron Corbin punching Drew McIntyre for six months, and it was you know, Mad Cat Moss blowing out his knee. Like, I remember that. Like, that was just, that was a bad time. And now there's the compelling main event storyline. Hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully Roman sitting on his ass at home for three weeks at a time doesn't ruin that, but we'll get to that. And, um, yeah, so any, any more thoughts on VKM, pal, or can we move on? Yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to be talking about VKM still. But, but the next question I have for you is, pal, can I get your ruthless, savage, most brutally honest thoughts and WWE being sold to Endeavor and uh, being emerged, being merged together with UFC. 
my initial reaction is I like it. I like the that kind of thought of double degree in UFC. They're, they're just under the same general umbrella. And for it to be Endeavor, this big parent company doing it, cool. I'm not personally, you know, I, I'm not on the stock exchange fighting the battle for WWE. I'm not in the boardroom with the suits. So I guess for us as fans at the moment, until Vince McMahon takes full control of everything we see on TV, it's not really concerning for myself at least at the moment. Um, but my general thoughts, I like the move. Um, I think of all people and all companies to buy them, I'll be, I, I'm not going to act like some people on Twitter. I didn't know, I hadn't heard of Endeavor prior to this. Maybe you have. I, have. I personally haven't. Um, but, you know, did a little research into it, seeing this whole umbrella structure with WWE and UFC under the same bracket. WWE worth was $9 billion, yep. I think they got for it, which really just WWE being sold to the highest bidder sort of thing. And turns out that, yeah, UFC are owned by the same parent company. So, I thought, I mean, the move makes sense. It's an easy one to sell to investors. It's an easy one to sell to the, the shareholders. We're under the same bracket as UFC. We're under the same parent company. We're, you know, sports entertainment. We're combat sports. It's this big umbrella. It makes sense. So personally, I didn't mind it. I liked it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I don't really have anything negative to say about it either. I think it is odd that, like, just to think that WWE and UFC are going to be one thing now. Because there's always a lot of parallels. And UFC and Dana White and some of the top stars in MMA, like Conor McGregor, have admitted to stealing some of WWE's stick. Like, that's really what, like, that's the goal. You know, boxing, boxing hasn't been cool in, like, over 30, 40 years. But, you know, so Dana White was looking for influence from the WWF, from the WWF at the time, when he first got the UFC in 2001. He was like, how do I get what they have? And how do I combine, like, a sense of storytelling and and uh maybe a little bit of fiction like we've seen it from time to time and that's when the ultimate fighter came along and, and so having you and so forth but with that being said like i i just i don't really see how this is going to change anything really for wwe like a couple of things might change like yeah we may that they may work out a deal where like peacock um instead of like having like the five dollar or ten dollar subscription for united states customers It'll be like similar to what it, the deal the UFC has with ESPN Plus, where you have to subscribe to Peacock and then you pay whatever 50, 60 bucks for a WWE pay per view. I, I don't plan on paying 50 or 60 bucks for a WWE pay per view. I don't know about you, about the listeners, but we've been spoiled now for the network and Peacock for 10 years. Like, it's going to be kind of hard if that's what they do, but I, I, I can see that happening. Uh, some behind the scenes stuff will happen, like executives might get switched around. Endeavor will bring in like their HR people, their PR people. But aside from that, like on, in terms of like the on-screen performance, I don't think Endeavor is going to be interfering in that. Now, if it was somebody like say NBC Universal that purchased WWE, then I would be worried about the the state of the on-screen product. You know, that that's when like we'd see like the return of the Muppets and you know, when when NBC was heavy, it had a heavy influence in the build up to WrestleMania 30, uh, 37. That was when we saw like Shane McMahon doing cheesy segments, reading off Braun Strowman's report card. Like if it was NBC Universal or Disney, I'd be worried about the on-screen product. But with Endeavor, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Kevin, follow up question for you. You touch on the like the potential change with the model for pay-per-views and premium live events and yeah. potentially having to pay. 
this question, I guess, can just be answered. You know, well, I, I'll, I'll ask anyway. For a WrestleMania, so this is WWE's showpiece event. We're, we're forgetting all the random shows in like the middle of May. Who gives stuff about backlash or whatever? For WrestleMania, WWE's creme de la creme big show. How much would you pay for a WrestleMania? Obviously, let's say the card is a, it's a good WrestleMania card. We're not saying it's like blow away fantastic, but it's not, you know, it's not WrestleMania 36 type thing. It's a really, you know, solid WrestleMania card. How much would you pay for WrestleMania? I'll be honest with you, as of this moment, and I say this with this in mind, you and I, we're not getting paid for this. You know, we do this for passion. So if I if I worked if we were in a position where we're getting paid to give our opinion, yeah, I would spend whatever dollar amount I need to spend. You know, if it makes business sense. But for me, for my personal enjoyment, I wouldn't spend a dollar on even WrestleMania. And it's and it's not because of the, the principle. No, I don't want to give them my money. It's because of the, their philosophy and the way they book WrestleManias nowadays. They, they, there's it's just like okay, the tickets go on sale in November, and it's what six months out, five months out before the show. The WrestleMania is already sold out, so WWE can literally put on whatever card they want. It's not like when you're building a UFC pay-per-view where it's like, all right, what, three months before the pay-per-view, they announce who's going to be fighting, and they announce, like, who's going to challenge who for the championship. It's not like, you know, you're not seeing these guys every single week uh, in the UFC. So it's special, and it gets hype. It's really... That's kind of been dead and gone for a long time from WWE. WrestleMania has been what since like 07, 08 it is when they switched that model where they just kind of put whatever card out and WrestleMania became the seller, you know. So yeah, it, it is WrestleMania is the brand. So I'm not gonna pay whatever 60, 70, 80 bucks for a pay per view where like <laughs> we could end up with Braun Strowman versus Goldberg in the main event or something like yeah. that. You know, yeah. or we could get like a Roman Reigns versus Triple H match that nobody wanted to see. For real, no. Uh, for me, I've used Watch Wrestling or whichever variation of that website for like the longest time. So in other words, pal, I don't, even... pal, don't out them, pal. Pal, I mean, a lot, <laughs> so many people watch their show, watch shows on that. I'm not the first. And the, the algorithm's that, coming for us, pal. No, WrestleMania. <laughs> I actually saw, so. I don't know what the goes in Australia. We had the WWE network for like a year and a half longer than you lot did in the States. You, you guys had moved to Peacock early 2021. For us in Australia, it was the WWE network until late last year. Then they moved to like a streaming service called Binge. They moved to Binge <clears throat> in this part of the world. So essentially what happened is all WWE network subscriptions got kind of either transferred if you wanted to or just like canned and you have to sign up to Binge. I signed up on a free trial. So I watched WrestleMania this year for free, both nights, crystal clear HD. Um, <laughs> okay, baby. Then I canceled the night after. So I got WrestleMania for free. No, no strings attached. <laughs> like, I think going forward, they might make you pay if they go for that model. You know, I don't think anyone's going to have, you know, an issue maybe paying, you know, $10 for WrestleMania or a free trial after what we've had for the last decade. That's fine. If it starts becoming thirty dollars, fifty dollars, heaven forbid, oh, that sort of thing, bro. Uh, uh, let me say this real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah. Back in 2012, uh, I ordered uh, once in a lifetime WrestleMania 28 on pay per view. It was like sixty five bucks then. Yeah, yeah. So sixty five dollars then. <laughs> so now yeah. I think a UFC pay per view is like seventy nine ninety nine right now. 
Yeah. So you're telling me that WWE's gonna try to charge like seventy bucks for like oh my like God. like Clash at the Castle? You know, <laughs> we're gonna be getting like we're gonna be paying eighty bucks to watch Drew McIntyre beat up Gunther for the eight eight hundredth time in, in Scotland. I'm not, I'm not paying eighty dollars for that, bro. No shot. Like you're talking about thirty dollars for WrestleMania, bro. Twenty twelve, they charged in sixty five bucks. <laughs> to be fair, it was so much worse back then because if they actually went with an ending that was bad or like WrestleMania twenty nine, was that was still in the pay per view? They charged like yes, fifty five, sixty dollars for that show. So when you're ending the show with Cena predictably getting his win back a year in the making that everyone saw coming. And the whole wrestling community was like, well, what was that? That was just, what a joke. And everyone was angry about the show. Imagine paying $60 just to know you'll get mad and then get mad. Like, that's what wrestling was. So, yeah, Kevin, going forward, if they make us make you pay $50 to watch Roman Reigns squash someone 1,200 days into a championship reign, I mean, if that's the model WWE wants to go for, then... Hats off to him. Um, oh, I'm gonna be making content on that. I know that for sure. But um, yeah, there are people that'll yeah, pay yeah, it yeah. too. That's the other thing. There's probably like uh, what, like a hundred thousand people that'll pay that every month, at least. We pay like eighty bucks for Clash of the Castle and Hell in a Cell and TLC. Oh I don't know. God. Nevertheless, yeah, I just want to watch a, a Raw uppercard match at TLC where Cody's facing Austin Theory because they they met each other at a gym six years ago. There you go. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just want to say this: the only time that I've ever really bought like a UFC pay per view is like in in a watch party. You know, if I'm gonna get like three, four, five, six people together, and we're gonna split the bill of the pay per view yeah. six ways. Like, yeah, let's do it. Or go into a bar. You know, you go to a sports bar, you pay whatever twenty bucks for some wings and a beer, and watch a UFC fight. If if they if that becomes an option where you can go to a bar and watch WrestleMania. I'd do that. Pay twenty bucks for it, you know, because you're gonna get food anyway. Like I ordered food when I'm watching WrestleMania last week, so yeah, why not? But I, I don't even know. Like, is there like a storyline, or is there a way that WWE could pique your interest to make you spend like eighty bucks on a pay per view? Is there anything that you can see, like, 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 not even like something that realistically could happen, but just in general, yeah. like, like, would you pay like for Rock Austin at WrestleMania Seventeen? Would you pay like eighty bucks for that? Yeah. It, it, it does does come down to financial position as well. Yeah. This the other thing, like the, the people who, you know, either you, like you're struggling or, you know, you're just you're trying to pay for all other cost of living expenses. The thought of, oh, well, Double Bree's running Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns in Scotland again. He takes $70. Like, you know, that's a bit, yeah. But for those ones, like, yeah, once in a lifetime, the like the big main events, like I'd happily pay like 60 bucks for that. It's just one of these things to say you watch live and you experience it live. It's worth it. But for most of the stuff WWE is going to be doing now, that isn't worth it for pay-per-view models. Like, for instance, this show they're going to do at Backlash, it'll be, you know, Cody versus Brock is the main event. That's a, a good main event. It'll be entertaining, sure. And they're going to do a fun match Rey Mysterio and you have Bad Bunny getting involved and Roman's going to be off the show from all reports. So there's going to be some some good stuff there, but that's not worth paying more than, you know, the cost of Peacock sort of thing. Like, it's just not. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, pal. Hey, pal. So, next up, pal. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the Raw after Media. Just to go back yeah. to pivot to that for a second. Yep. 
I don't know. Do, do you want to talk about what, what went down on Raw? Do you want to talk about uh, something else from like from WrestleMania Fallout before we talk about Raw after Mania? Look, the main thing that happened on Raw really was that Cody and Brock thing. I feel like we can lump that in later on with the kind of main event, yeah. Cody, Roman, Raw. We can lump that together. So what we'll do, Kevin, I'll ask you this question. Surrounding John Cena and Austin Theory. So first things first, I want your thoughts. Did John Cena elevate Austin Theory in that match at WrestleMania? And just what were your thoughts generally? I, I think he did. I think he did elevate Austin Theory on a whole. Like when you look at casual fans who who watch wrestling once a year, they're probably more intrigued by who Austin Theory is now. Like I, I think at that standpoint, or the people that are like that watch, you know, they they maybe they watch weekly, but they don't read any websites, they don't watch any reviews, they just they watch Raw like every week or every other week. Someone like that is probably more inclined to be more of an Austin Theory fan or have an opinion on him or view him differently but i i don't think he really did anything for like the more like medium and and hardcore fans in terms of elevating austin theory like i I think austin theory is still to me he's still the same person that he was six months ago i i don't see a difference i don't feel any different maybe that's due to the predictable nature of the match um I know some wrestling purists liked it. Like, I listened to Jim Cornette's review of the match, and Jim Cornette loved it. Jim Cornette said it was his second favorite match of the entire weekend. Uh, he really liked what they did with Theory. Um, I-, I went back and I watched the match in full. The entrance was really cool. Uh, Cena's entrance was really cool. Uh, Austin Theory, his entrance, like, maybe he could have got something, but what can you give him? He doesn't really have that much layers to his character. I don't know. It, I don't. I don't want to say that it's like too much too soon for Austin Theory, but what what has he really done to deserve the honor of like beating John Cena clean in John Cena's second real wrestling match in five years? If you think about it, from like 2017, I, I was like I don't remember what match it was. Was it the match? I think it was the match with Roman and No Mercy. If if I'm if I'm yes. correct. That was like his last real, like proper one-on-one match that comes to mind. Because you think about WrestleMania 34 with Undertaker, it was what, like a minute and a half, and then he had SummerSlam against Roman. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The only other one I is that one, yeah. yeah, yeah. The only other one he's had two. He's had SummerSlam 2021 versus Roman Reigns, and he's had this match with Austin Theory. So beating John Cena is like supposed to be, I I would think, like a big honor. And Austin Theory, really, he held the the Money in the Bank title, and WWE told us he wasn't good enough for the WWE or the Universal Championship by having him cash in the, tit- the Money in the Bank on the US title. So already we're told this guy is not main event material. And then we're supposed to buy into him beating John Cena and him being good enough to beat John Cena. It's kind of a tough sell. And I just don't think it really did anything for him. Like, he's... I don't think like he he could still be on a short list of guys that get future endeavored whenever Vince McMahon gets himself in in a in a hunt in a push and you know he has to shell out more money to people yeah he has to pay reimburse WWE for investigations pay hush money pay God knows what kind of lawyer fees and and if he's cutting salaries who's to say Austin Theory's not getting future endeavored who's to say Austin Theory's making it through like another pandemic cuts say god forbid there's another pandemic and wrestlers are, are losing their yeah. jobs you know like right. 
You know what I mean? Well, what do you think? Yeah, to me, that match did nothing for Theory. Um, I, I'm fairly strong. Like, I was watching that match, and on the night, I was like, Cena lost. Okay, fine. Like, I get it. Cena's not going to be there beyond, like, Monday. I know. But watch, it just had a weird feeling to it. I don't know. And I'll watch this back as well. And the way they did the match, the fact that Cena, we'll discuss this in a moment, Cena is a shell of what he used to be. He just is. This isn't, again, I grew up watching Cena when he'd literally get beaten up most of a match and then he'd lift up like the big show and edge on his shoulders and just win. Like, like literal Superman Cena. And now we're watching Cena with like the bald spot and he can't get literally any offense in at all. And he's just getting like, I don't know. I, I didn't like this. I just didn't like the match generally. I thought Austin Theory, when compared to the other young guys, Kevin, who were put on show at WrestleMania, being Omos and being Dominic Mysterio, I put them all in a similar bracket, sort of fairly young, can be future upper mid-card players in WWE. I think Theory was the least impressive of any of them. So to me, no, John Cena didn't elevate Austin Theory. I think what Brock Lesnar did with Omos was elevating, in my opinion. That made Omos that much more interesting to me, at least. I can't speak to anyone else. To me, Omos is way more interesting now because of that Brock Lesnar thing. I thought the Dominic Mysterio stuff would make Dominic big time in my eyes. I think Dominic can have a main event run sometime next few months because of that. This Theory thing... He bit Cena's ear twice, nutshotted him, cheated like three different times. And now it's like, oh, Theory's a big time star. Like, no, I, I don't, I'm apathetic towards the guy. So, yeah, I don't know. The guy has some of the, the, the full package, I guess. He's got muscles. I don't know. Like, like, what, like, what else is there? How is Theory different from Mason Ryan? What's the difference there? You know, so to me as a viewer... No, no theory. Like theory's empty arena promo where he was like, you know, I'm gonna show you why and show the world why I deserve to be this guy. A fine promo, I guess, but he didn't back it up in the match. He nut shot at an old man and bit his ear a few times and then won. Like, okay, Cena's had one proper match in five years. I'm, I'm not impressed by that. I don't care. So that's that's where I'm at, Kevin. Take it or leave it. You have thoughts on that? Anything else you want to say there? So, so I know that the next question is like, has John Cena lost a step in the ring? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think Cena really? was. Yeah, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. I, I think Cena was uninterested. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were rumors out there that Cena didn't want to really didn't want to put Theory over, you know, but he didn't want to exercise his golden shovel. He wanted to be that the, the good employee that he is that we know and love yeah. John Cena to be. You know, he. I think he prides himself on being that guy that will do things that other top stars would not. You know, like like Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2002, Vince McMahon goes up to him and it's like, "Hey, pal, you're gonna lose to Austin Theory, a guy that wasn't even good enough to cash in the Money in the Bank on the World Champion, had to cash in on a mid Carter. You're gonna drop yeah. to that guy at WrestleMania. Stone Cold's gonna be like, "All right, bro, I'm out. Peace." You know, CM Punk would go to AEW. You know, go to MMA and get knocked out embarrassed in two fights go on a podcast for an hour and a half and do a shoot but call it not a shoot carry on exactly yeah hulk hogan would make racist comments and sex tapes and say that doesn't work for me brother and and then come back at, at 20 almost what come back like in 2021 dressed as a pirate staying there with a black wrestler trying to get his his public image <laughs> salvaged 
Yeah, well, you were there for Hulk Hogan coming out in a pirate outfit with Titus O'Neil. You were there. You were in the building, pal. You sat through a rain delay in a poncho to watch that, pal. Anyway, carry on. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Nevertheless, so you get the point. I-, I could go on for days and days about how other top stars would react to this. Shawn Michaels would have faked an injury for eight and a half months and oh slept God. with the guy's wife. So John Cena prides himself on, on I think, uh, being sl- maybe a little bit easier to work with compared to yeah. some other top stars. Um, so he did what was asked of him. You know, WWE was like, hey, pal, can you do us a favor? Can you put over this young guy we're trying to push? You know, this guy that. Again, couldn't cash in on the world champion. I'd cash in on a mid-card belt. Um, yeah. So, needless to say, uh. I don't think Cena's washed. I don't think Cena's finished. I just think he didn't want to wrestle the match. I, I just think he was like, all right, I'm, we're yeah. going to we're gonna do 10 moves, kid. And we're going to do 10 minutes. You're going to hit me with your finisher, and we're getting out of here. And apparently yeah. there was another report, too, that the match went under in terms of time. Like, they went, what, like 13 minutes? They were like the rumor is they were supposed to get like twenty two, twenty three minutes. I mean, I think it was. Oh, like, no. I think I read oh, that, that on like cage match. Up. Yeah, imagine like so. Cena was probably midway through, like in the middle of the match, just thinking, "All right, this guy doesn't have it. He sucks." Um. All right, referee, we're gonna do an audible. Derry yeah, hit me in wow. the nuts. You know, tickle my ball spot and get me. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Con- no, I I actually, if that's what happened, I would not be shocked. Because I watched that, it felt it felt funny. It was nice. weird. Yeah, like it. It didn't feel like a complete match. It felt like there was they were kind of getting somewhere, and then Theory just hit his kind of finisher and won. This is the other thing which people are complaining about. Theory hit one finisher and beat Cena. I'm sure the initial plan would have been probably a couple of finishes or more of like a finisher fest in the last five to ten minutes, and then Theory comes out on top. But if that's what happened. That would make complete sense based on what we saw, the, the version of events we saw. Cena, maybe he did check it. Maybe he was 10 minutes in or five minutes in or two minutes in going, we've done the entrances, we're at WrestleMania. Me being in the ring with this guy is already a big deal for him. This ain't it. Let's get a decent match. We'll end it a bit, you know, a bit prematurely because this ain't it. We don't need to do 22 minutes here. That's going to be a disaster and ruin my legacy a bit. So just, you know. Take the A town, take the the big finisher, A town down, pal, and um, take the L. I don't know. To me, I don't want to overreact to this one match with this whole John Cena being washed thing. Um, I think that match against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam was a really good match. Probably. And yeah, so you know, it's just with Cena. I don't know. It, just watching him from what we're used to versus what we get now, it's a stark difference. Because Cena used to feel literally immortal. Like, he was just this literal Iron Man, bench-pressing, like, 800 pounds, <laughs> swatting giants and edge and flipping them and all this sort of thing. And now he's just, you know, good old John, 46-year-old from West Newbury, Massachusetts with the bold spot. Like, it's not the same, but, you know, father oh, time no. gets everyone, I guess. I don't know. God. Hopefully going forward, Cena has one more great match left in him where, you know, it's kind of like an Undertaker situation a little bit to me. It's not that stage yet, but you want to see one more great Cena match before he kind of tips his cap farewell one more time because Cena alluded to it, Kevin, in interviews, and he addressed this in his promo on Raw. It may be one of the last times he does this sort of thing. It's, you know, we're we're much closer to the end than the start. So, yeah, hopefully he has one more great match. Does he need, like, a Seth Rollins to get him to that great match? Can he have that great match with, 
a, like a, a kind of average wrestler at this stage. I don't think he can. I don't think Cena versus Logan Paul is going to be that great if it happens. I think Cena versus Seth Rollins or AJ Styles is like the, the farewell match he needs. Maybe Carmelo Hayes, a guy like that, like an in-ring guy, to get Cena that final like great match, which can give you kind of closure in his career. Um, so, yeah, there you go, pal. That's my thoughts. I don't think Cena's washed just yet, but... WrestleMania was. Uh, but well, the, the thing is too, like you mentioned, in ring guy. Theory is supposed to be that guy. No, he's not. Like, like theory, like, like no, you hear, not. you hear people back, like you hear people like talk about him. Like, theory, apparently, theory is like this in ring general, you know. Oh. So, I don't know. I, I, to me, I don't see it. But you and I are not wrestlers, so we don't see things that wrestlers are gonna see. But whatever it is that theory has in ring, it's not trans. It's not transitioning and translating into the the masses you know like yeah. like yeah there's some people out there that appreciate good work rate and, and, and like theory but theory is not connecting with like the audience overall the way omos and dominic are connecting but pal i got two follow-up questions for you on john cena one oh, two. what's your brutally honest thoughts on john cena being cast in, in the barbie film that is a mainstream star that's a objective pal it's my, uh, let me say this. Let me say this before you go. Is this his yeah. version of the Tooth Fairy? You know, Dwayne Johnson starred in the infamous Tooth Fairy. Is this John Cena's version of that? He's he's a bar. He's gonna be in Barbie, bro. What is he? Is he the Ken doll? Like I don't even know what he's Ken. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> and why the hell not? I'm gonna look this point? up. I'd rather see Cena and Barbie than having random call and audible matches versus Austin Theory, where Theory's like trying to bite his ear. I'd rather watch Cena and Barbie, Kevin. So. No, I think, Kevin, this is a spot which wrestlers dream of, Kevin. If you told a wrestler one day you could have conquered WWE, conquered the wrestling business, and you'll be cast in Barbie for the millions of people watching, that is the dream, pal. So, yeah, I think I love that. Well, I watch Barbie. I watched probably the trailer and a couple of clips of Cena. That's about it. But it's very cool to see Cena, pal. That is his version it, that's better than the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> that is better than Dwayne and the Tooth Fairy, pal. All right, second question being, yeah. if if not Theory, who would you have booked in Theory's place to be that guy that has like a showcase match for, with John Cena for his big return? In Hollywood, one of two options. Either you go down the Logan Paul rabbit hole, and do that in Hollywood. I'm glad they didn't. Cena vs. Logan Paul in Hollywood, that just kind of makes sense. Or you do Cena vs. Edge, and you make that like a kind of a farewell spectacle sort of thing. You have like loser retires almost, because they're both near the end of the road anyway. They're going to retire within the next year or two, both of them. So you, you kind of do it there. One of those two, I probably would have gone Cena Edge. Um, and I know you're kind of trying to refer to like a younger guy or someone more in that spot. I don't think there really is a young... I mean, Theory was the one in this case, the young guy who sort of a Cena rub would have helped, so to speak. But after what we saw, with the beauty of hindsight, you probably would have been better off doing Cena versus Edge in just like a big spectacle 15-minute loser-retires match, because that would have garnered lots of interest. And then you could have done Theory versus like a Finn Balor in like a 10-minute, 12-minute really good match for the US title, something like I don't know. You just, you just do that, I guess. That's probably what I would have done. What about you, pal? Yeah, that's the point I was kind of getting at, is that there really isn't anyone there. Like, you kind of, you touched on that. Hmm. There's nobody there. 
like in terms of like a younger guy who's on the up and up and up, like it's uh, it's Dominic who's already being taken up with the Rey Mysterio storyline. It's Omos yeah. and Theory. Those are the three guys, young guys that WWE's focusing on right now as potential building blocks. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean that and then you like you could put somebody in there who's not that well known, like a Damian yeah. Priest, put him yeah, in there with Cena. Or Hayes or Braun Breaker. They're like the 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 big ones. No one knows them. Okay. They're, yeah. they're known in the like the the wrestling like the the, the we watch every week space. They're known on Twitter. No one knows who they are in the in the bigger picture. So that would have been an L. You needed to wait like a year or two before you even attempt that. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, you put you could put a guy like Damian Priest in there, and he's one that comes to mind. Just somebody who's like in the mid card can wrestle yeah. a good safe match for Cena. But what does that really do for John Cena? Him having like a twelve minute match with Damian Priest doesn't do much. So I don't know. It, it's kind of odd that like Cena yeah. had this match that is going to be largely forgettable when people yeah. think about WrestleMania thirty nine in five ten years. It's going to be like, wait, yeah. John Cena opened this show? Yeah, like, no, for real. Like, John Cena wrestled Austin Theory? Like, unless Austin Theory turns around and ends up, like, having this Hall of Fame career, which the the jury's still out on what's going to happen with that. But, I mean, if he does, then, yeah, people will remember this fondly. People will flip it and say this was Theory's moment when he became a mainstream star. This was his defining, crowning moment. Yeah. But, like, if you watched it and you were there watching it, you know what happened. Okay, your wrestling's premiere videos being made and videos like that about how it was a great storyline and it was the moment Theory proved himself and Cena stepped up on the biggest stage, had a great match with him. And then I'll I'll watch that and a bunch of people will watch that and go, that just wasn't what happened at the time. Like this this is revisionist history, which that's what's happened with a lot of the last kind of five to ten years, where things get looked back on. So oh, this is oh like for instance, one example just real quick, 2020 in the, the pandemic era, all oh, those those performance center shows, the, like the work with Sasha Banks, Bailey, Edge and Randy Orton was amazing. Drew Mack, it was such a great time. No, it wasn't. It, it was not. Ah. We lived it. It was, you know, it was good double degree putting on a show, but it wasn't some great, oh my God, get the popcorn, get the whole family, let's watch Raw. Ratings were super low and WWE is the only thing on. So I don't know. The, that's that, Kevin. I think we can move on. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Perfect, pal. So shifting gears like a Michael Cole, um, I want to address one wrestler who we've talked about in Elite Heat quite a bit. We've done, I think, an ultimate burial on this person. I want to ask this question now. Surrounding Charlotte Flair, did that performance she had at WrestleMania with Rhea Ripley change your perspective on her at all, You know, help her legacy? Like, What's your stance with that? I, I want to talk about Charlotte because I feel like it needs to be done. So, Kevin, what are your thoughts? So... The WrestleMania 39 match, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. I've seen people, as I've heard it on podcasts, I've seen it on YouTube videos, I've seen it on Twitter, throwing around the phrase, legacy-defining. This is a match, like, this is the greatest match of Charlotte's career. This is the greatest women's match I've ever seen. I've heard and read things like that. And, And to answer that question, did it change my perspective on Charlotte Flair? Not really. Not really. Like, I didn't watch that match thinking, wow, this is phenomenal. Like, yeah, Charlotte Flair, this is the one match that she's going to be remembered for. Like, I think a lot of people are forgetting some stuff. You know, she's had great matches for a lot of years. Like, Charlotte Flair is one match that I think of 
when I think of Charlotte's legacy, it's that match in NXT she had with Natalia. When Bret Hart was in Natalia's corner, Ric Flair's in Charlotte's corner. The two went and tore the house down in like the early NXT days. And then I think about that TLC match she had with Becky Lynch. I, I believe that was at women at uh, Evolution. Yes. If I want to say, if I want, yeah, if I, if I think I'm correct, I think about the Hell in a Cell match with Sasha Banks on Raw. Just countless, countless matches. She's made of ended at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And to say that this one is a legacy defining match for Charlotte Flair, I, I think it's a, a discredit to what she's done in her career. And yeah, I know Charlotte Flair, a lot of people are sick of her, but a lot of people do like her. She's very polarizing. You know, she's not as polarizing as Prime Cena or Roman Reigns or anything like that, but she's in that next tier. Um, I, I don't want to say that she's overrated. I, I think she's overpushed. And it's, it's a lot like the Randy Orton theory that I've spoken about for years. With WWE, they built up her resume, so undeniably she's one of the GOATs. Whether you like, like, there's no way around it objectively. You look at everything she's done Royal Rumble match winner, main event WrestleMania, main evented this show, main evented a women's only pay per view, the only women's only pay per view, um, Hell in a Cell match, first Hell in a Cell match for women, everything that she's done, you know, she's 14 time women's champion, yeah. She's done it all, been there, done it. So. This match, like, do I look at her and say, yeah, no, I love Charlotte Flair now, or no, I hate Charlotte Flair now, or she was already one of the greatest. Like, that's kind of what the greats do. They put on good matches. And Rhea Ripley, I I mean, this is a legacy-defining moment for Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley's going to be looked back on and like, wow, yeah, the the idea is going to be, the narrative is going to be, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte stole the show at night one of WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley had a big moment. She was crowned as, as one of the cornerstones of the women's division. I don't really think this is about Charlotte Flair. Mm. And I want to say this too real quick. I think, I want to say this, I don't know if I'm wild, but in my opinion, if Rhea and Charlotte had remained in the scheduled slot to main event night one, I don't think that match would have been as good. I, those were two women that were out there with a chip on their shoulder because they felt they deserved to main event and they felt slighted by being changed and having the tag team title go over them, tag team title match go over them. That, that same like chip wouldn't be there that same edge wouldn't have been there so i don't think it would have been as good of a match that's a very good take that's i didn't think of that that's a very good take uh, no I, I agree with that um you can tell yeah because they did main event charlotte especially we've seen this a couple of times in the past seemingly where charlotte gets that main event spot like I'd give you WrestleMania 35 as the prime example, but just generally it's some other sort of lesser shows or generally Charlotte main events. And it's almost this sense of at least me watching as a viewer, I go, she looks content she's main eventing and then she goes through the motions for a, a fair bit. That, that's the kind of feeling I get. Now, is that fair? I don't know if that's exactly what she thinks. That's just the feeling I get as a viewer. So Kevin, I agree with that. Um, my stance with this, it's really hard with Charlotte Flair. You mentioned the Randy Orton theory with her. It's bang on. She's going to go down. Like when she retires in whenever, a decade, five, ten, who knows. Whenever she hangs up the boots and, oh, Charlotte, she's a 23-time women's champion, four-time Royal Rumble winner, the money in the bank this time. These are like a massive like laundry list of achievements. And everyone goes, she's the, by far the greatest ever. And it's like, well, yes. But during the time when those accolades are all acquired, we weren't, 
I say we, I know myself, you, a lot of people in the community weren't interested. Either not interested or actively disinterested. WWE were going, yes, take this. And yeah, this WrestleMania match, amazing moment for Rhea. I think the fact that Charlotte put over Rhea in this setting, awesome. I think that's probably one of the biggest feathers in Charlotte's cap to date. That Charlotte losing that match to Rhea Ripley means more than her if she won. Like for her legacy, putting someone over like this is a, a good achievement. And which is the same sentiment I have for the, the main event of night two, where Reigns putting over Cody would have done way more for his legacy than Reigns just holding two titles in the show. It's the same sort of thing. It's like this wrestler's had so much success in Charlotte Flair that now that they're putting over someone on a big stage like this, that's a big deal. That's a good thing for their legacy. But when I say it's a legacy-defining, amazing match and moment, Kevin, that's going to you know stand the test of time, maybe Rhea Ripley becomes the biggest female star we've ever seen off the back of this. We don't know. Hopefully, Rhea becomes one of the all-time great female wrestlers. But this match, I was bored for the first half. It picked up in the second half. People were saying it's a five-star match. I don't know what match they were watching. Um, yeah. I, guess I, I want to say this too in, in closing on the Charlotte Flair situation. This, I think you could say this is like a WrestleMania legacy defining moment for Charlotte Flair. When you look at her WrestleMania resume, yeah, she's had main events, she's had triple threat, fatal four way women's title matches, but that's what it's been. It's been multi women's matches, it's been a forced main event that nobody wanted to <laughs> yeah. see. That had like I think holds the record for the most dislikes on WWE's YouTube channel. <laughs> like people want to see Charlotte, or not Charlotte. People want to see Ronda vs Becky, and it's like, nah, damn it, get in there, Charlotte. So I think from that standpoint, like this is really Charlotte's only great one-on-one -on -one WrestleMania match. Yeah, it adds to her legacy. It definitely adds to it. But I don't think that like this is not like. I don't know. When you think about a legacy-defining match, like like you look at like like Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels mm -hmm. at WrestleMania 25. That's a match. Like yeah, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels have great legacies, but that's one that people will look back and are like, "Wow, that was that was something." Or like WrestleMania three, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. Mm -hmm. Those are legacy-defining matches to me. And I I wouldn't consider Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley in that category. I don't, maybe it's a top 50 WrestleMania match of all time. Maybe it is. I don't know. Would you... Would you describe Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus as a legacy definer for any of those guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a legacy definer for all three of them. You know, I mean, before that match, Drew McIntyre's legacy would be beating Brock Lesnar in a match with, in front of no fans that Brock wasn't interested in, and then getting punched out by the Big Show immediately afterwards, and then crying on the Raw after, like, reaching out to the fans, like, in the middle of a pandemic, crying, like, that, that was his legacy wow. prior. Seamus' legacy wow. was like the the Seamus whatever. What was it? The the with like Seamus five fifteen with the with the the septum piercing in his nose and the mohawk. Yeah, yeah, that was Seamus' legacy and beating Daniel Bryan in ten seconds, starting the Yes movement. Like that was it, you know. And, and Gunther, he hasn't been around long enough to even really have a legacy yet in WWE. So yeah, all right, pal. Is it that time? I think it's that time. Yes, it is. Kevin, it's 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 main event time, pal. The time is um, now, pal. So what I will say firstly, before we get to any debate question here or anything like that, 
I've watched this match back now, um, and I felt this watching it live. This is one of the best WrestleMania main events we've seen in the last 15 years. Bell to Bell, yeah. This was a great match, particularly considering how lackluster most of the WrestleMania main events in the 30s have been, with Brock just winning matches and Triple H and Roman and all this stuff. So credit rest you for the match. Now, Kevin, with this being said, let's talk about it. So I'll start off with the big question. Now, in the WrestleMania review, you were content, pleased with the ending. Yes. You said Roman winning was the right call. Yep. I think that there's, a, there's a great discussion to be had here. We'll ask the question. Was Roman Reigns pinning Cody Rhodes the way they did the right decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Why? 110%. People are really angry. People want to see Cody win. People want to hate Roman Reigns to heal. Wow. When was the last time that happened? Where people actually want to see a babyface win? Can you tell me? Like, you think, I think about Roman Reigns versus Triple H, WrestleMania 32. Roman Reigns is this babyface chasing the heel. Nobody wanted to see him win. Mm-hmm. Right? right? You know, you think about Roman versus Brock two years in the future. Roman's the babyface, Brock's the heel. Who wanted to see Roman win? No one. Now, right. people want to see Cody get, get that. He, they want to see him chase the title. But the only problem is... Because I, I fully trust WWE with the Bloodline storyline. We've gotten okay. three, almost three years now of consistent good content. Some great stuff, a lot of good, very little, if any, bad stuff from the Bloodline. So there's a track record there. There's no reason to say that this is going to be butchered. The only caveat is the, the Cody Rhodes thing. It, it's, mm. it's the Cody Rhodes factor. Where Cody mm-hmm. Rhodes could come out one day in the middle of May and just be like... You know, he's in the middle of this hot storyline with Brock Lesnar, and then he's getting ready to face Roman, and then all of a sudden we're in like Utah, and Cody Rose is cutting promos about how like race relations in the Utah Jazz organization, and that's it, and that's the that's the end of of Cody's push, you know that that's it, that it's over. That's really the only caveat with this. But overall, again, mind blowing. People want to see the babyface chase the heel. Wow, crazy. Like the people that are really upset by this. I think, I, I mean, you're getting worked. Like, this is what WWE wants. WWE wants you to be mad. They want you to hate Roman. It, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this. But I'll, I want to ask you a side question before you go. Yeah. People are saying this is, like, one of the worst blunders of all time. Right? Like, a big fumbling moment. Like, a, a potentially era generation-defining moment in WWE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you put this ending... On like the level of like uh like a Rock Austin WrestleMania 17 where Austin turns heel like how that completely pretty much killed the Attitude Era and killed the momentum that WWE had going with, with like that because people are saying this is like the worst blunder of all time like I think of that one like that jumps to mind yeah 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 right up yeah. front and I don't even think this is in the the same tier even the second tier like and then another one too I'll pose to you. Another example that jumps right in the forefront of my brain is Triple H, uh, the, the Triple H, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton thing from SummerSlam uh, 2013 where, you know, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan beats Cena clean. Everybody wants to cheer Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And then Triple H is like, nope, sorry, Randy Orton is going to get the belt. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to do a cash in. Like that, yeah. that in, 
that caused a, a point now where people are entitled. Where people are like, alright, we want... Like, you think about it, I, I remember this. People are like, oh, we want Nakamania. We want Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, oh war. Don't even... Like, okay, yeah, like, that, yeah. like, that stuff was spawned. Yeah. That was fathered by that moment there at SummerSlam in 2013. Yeah. I think of those two as, like, really big blunders. Like, I, I think if WWE could go, go, could go back in time, I think they would have just had Daniel Bryan be champion for, like, three months. Give the fans what they want for three months. Everybody going, yes, yes, yes. And then when people get sick of it, switch the belt over. Take it off Daniel Bryan. Put it on whoever you want to put it on. But people would have got what they wanted, and Daniel Bryan would have been over forever. He would have had a three-month reign, and then he could live in that upper mid-card technical wrestler scene for the rest of his career and be a big star. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I, think I just want to address... Uh, I'll get to the, the point out the what's the worst decision of all, all that sort of thing. I'll get that in a moment. Yeah. What I will say... I'll speak for myself, at least. That's all I can speak for. Whether you agree or the listeners agree, you can agree. Where I stand now on Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, you do the whole thing. I was like, oh, now people want to see Cody win and Roman lose. Well, Kevin, after that, that was that was the moment that that was the moment to do it. I now watch Cody, and every time I'm seeing him now, I'm thinking, well, he should have bloody won at WrestleMania. Everything now is just there. It's just filler. It's it's excess. Just we know what the outcome is going to be at this stage from what, how they've told us. I guess they're telling the story, it seems. Reigns is clearly just on borrowed time now, getting over the 1,000-day mark because that's just what's sort of happening. I don't want to see Roman Reigns lose in the heel sense. I'm not like, yeah, Cody was screwed. (laughs) Beat him, Cody, yeah. To me, it's more so (laughs) like, oh, well, okay. Until Cody, and now whenever Cody gets the titles, when he wins that, I'm sure it'll be, still be a good moment if and when he wins at SummerSlam, let's say, or I assume that's going to be the show. SummerSlam, if they hold out to the next WrestleMania, that's a, an awful decision waiting to happen. But if it's at SummerSlam, it'll be a, a good, it'll be a good moment for Cody Rhodes. Maybe a great moment, but after the bag was fumbled with what would have been objectively a great moment at WrestleMania, but probably an amazing moment with. How all the circumstances, the crowd, the the moment, WrestleMania in Hollywood, the drama, Zayn and KO's bit. After that, I'm not like, damn, oh, Cody was screwed. Oh, come on. It's Cody, fight for me, damn it. Overcome, Cody, come on. I'm not like that. And yes, okay, if I went to a, a Monday Night Raw and Reigns and Cody was, were both on, well, dang it, Reigns wouldn't appear because he doesn't show up, so... That's a bit hard to say, but if I was at a Raw, yeah, I, I'd cheer for Cody. I'll, I'll cheer for Cody regardless. I think he's presented really well as a babyface. I said this in the, in the video I made, and just generally, his presentation is really good. His WrestleMania entrance was a really good entrance. It just was. Um, but to answer the question there, look, I think Cody losing is clearly the wrong decision. I feel like of all these guys in the past 10 years, there's been a lot of these, Kevin, and you allude to a few of them. It's like the Daniel Bryan thing, how that led to Nakamania. I 100% understand where you're coming from. You have a bunch of these just literal indie schmucks in some cases, guys who just don't deserve these spots at all, getting shoved into them. Kevin, remember when Finn Balor debuted and then literally within five minutes was Universal Champion? Like, that literally happened. And these same people who were a fan of that are telling me, telling everyone... Cody coming back after all this stuff he's done with AEW and this failed career he had in WWE before, Cody coming back, having a big WrestleMania moment, 
having feud of the year with Seth Rollins, wrestling the match with the torn pec, having pec surgery, coming back, winning the Royal Rumble, telling a good story with Roman. He hasn't told enough of a story. He needs to keep going and tell the rest of the story just to get his win. Finn Balor showed up and won within five minutes. And most of these other wrestlers, Kofi Mania was like a one-month thing. And it's like, I don't know. It, it seems a bit hypocritical just because Reigns has had an all-time great run. It seems like they're trying to extend that run just so they can hit a 1,000 and fans are just, yes, Reigns, a 1,000, oh, my God. It's like, okay, cool. But to answer the question you asked, Kevin, will this be looked back on as one of the all-time bag fumbles, one of the worst endings in wrestling? <sighs> That really does wait to be seen. I, I, I don't feel like I can give a definitive like yes or no on that. I'm leaning towards, was it as bad as WrestleMania 17's ending and what that caused? It's going to be hard for it to be hard to top that. That was one of the all time, just like, why'd you do that endings? This to me, it, it is up there. I won't say it is like, you know, the top level yet, it, like the worst of the worst, but for what they could have had, for the next year of content they could have had if Cody just won. Because Kevin, all I'll say is this, that ending does nothing for Cody's legacy and does nothing for Roman's legacy. If Cody won, that does the world of good for his legacy and his status as a main eventer and does the world of good for Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns puts a guy over, he lays down clean, he can then have a year of a downfall as the mafia boss, Cody can have a run and have a world title reign. It just works. It just does. So that's my stance. To me, the ending was completely the wrong decision. I can't believe some of the arguments I've heard to defend the ending. They genuinely baffle me. So yeah. well, let, let's, that uh, let's keep it real too. This yeah. is this is the reality of why WWE did what they did. Mm-hmm. Cheddar, baby. There's more money in the baby face chasing the title. Cody's going to sell more merchandise from March until from uh, April until whenever he wins the title than he will as champion. People are more intrigued. The rating is going to be higher. People are more intrigued. You look back at the Cena era. Cena and Ed, Cena chasing Edge when Edge was champion did better ratings than Cena just being on top. Like, I love you, C-Nation. You know? like So they want to capitalize and get a strike on the, the iron while it's hot. You know, like, that's just what it is. Like, if, like I, that's what I think, at least. Like, not to speak for the people that are creative, but I think that's how it went down. You know, I, I don't think Triple H is looking at it like, yeah, Got to have Roman get a thousand days like that. I mean, if that's why Triple H booked it, then that would be terrible. Like if if there if someone ever comes out like a reliable source, like Bruce Pritchard goes on his podcast one day in 20 years and is like, yeah, Roman won because Triple H wanted to keep that thousand day reign alive. Then that's just like, come on, like for real. But I, I think it's all about the cheddar, bro. Yeah, you look you look perplexed. I want to hear what you have to say. I will. Credit where it's due. <clears throat> I hadn't actually heard that point. That is the best argument I've heard made about why Cody lost. And that's being 100% true. I've, I've seen some, some absolute rotters, some arguments where I go, you have the IQ of a peanut. That's a genuinely really good one. That is 100% fair. Like that's something that I can see them actually pitching and doing. And one of the, like, the reasons and the catalysts for it. And so, yeah, fair play for us due there. But I feel like you're still making points to so carry on. Oh, I, and I was going to ask you this too. Uh, so you mentioned that, you know, you you wanted to see, or you don't care, like, you know the outcome is going to be Cody winning yeah. the title. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a guarantee. Like, Cody might never win the title. We don't know. We don't know that. But let, let's just say, right. let, let's right. say, 
That, that yeah. seri- seriously, though. Let, let's say, though, that, yes, th- this is the outcome. Let's just say we're in a different reality where you and I know we're in, we're backstage. We're hanging out with Vince McMahon when he's writing hush money checks. You know, we're on, we're on the inner circle. All right. And, <laughs> and we know the finish of SummerSlam 2023. <laughs> uh, Where's SummerSlam at? Toronto, right? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. We know that is in Detroit. Motor City, pal. Yeah, we know in Detroit in 2023 is SummerSlam. Cody Rhodes is going to win the belt from Roman Reigns, right? Let's just say we know that. I'll ask yeah. you this. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, like, Avengers? Any of the Avengers movies? Yeah. So you, yeah. Saw, you saw Infinity War. And Infinity War is the only comic book movie that I could think of, at least that high profile, where the bad guy ended the movie on top. Now, you knew in the last, in the last one, in Endgame, you knew that, you know, Iron Man and Spider-Man and the Hulk, all, they were going to all get together and save the world. You knew that was going to happen. Like, that's how it goes. But you were still intrigued by the movie, right? Because you wanted to see the story being told. It's all about how they get there, you know? Now, that, that's, again, this is where it gets shaky. If we, if us getting there is Cody cutting stupid promos for three and a half months, and then it's just like, all right, Cody wins, yeah, after cutting bad promos, and Roman Reigns coming out and saying, yeah, you suck, bro. Like if that, if that, if we just get three months of basically what we got leading up to WrestleMania, then it, it, why just, why not just have done it at WrestleMania at that point, you know? But I think there's room here, and I think WWE has yeah. done enough good with, uh, with the Bloodline, and I think Cody has a filter now. I hope we're not going to see AEW Cody. I know oh, pe- yes. people are sick of yeah. me making the jokes about Cody crying, so I, I don't think we're going to see AEW top guy Cody. I think we're going to see Cody with a filter on, mm-hmm. and I think Roman Reigns and Cody and the Bloodline can tell a really intriguing story. And I, I, well, I what are going to do? Don't you like? To me, I, I thought about this about five minutes earlier, and it's very clear the direction. I, I'll lay this down because I feel like no one in the community is saying the direction they're clearly going here. You watch that segment on Raw where basically Roman Reigns is going, I'm not going to face you again. you got Paul Heyman, and they're doing this promo about how no one, you know, he has to you know, earn a riot and no one can challenge him. Cody's going to beat Brock Lesnar. We know that. Cody's going to beat Brock, whether that's just a one-off match with Backlash or whether that's a second match. Cody's beating Brock. Then, Kevin, the whole storyline is going to be Roman Reigns is refusing to let Cody have a match with him. Well, Kevin, Cody's going to win the money in the bank. And Cody's going to be crying on Raw saying, I'm, I'm cashing in at SummerSlam. This is my moment. I'm going to finish my story. I'm going to earn my right. Cody's going to win money in the bank. That's just what's going to happen. That's the only way Cody's going to get his right to face Roman. Cody will win money in the bank, and he'll cash in the briefcase and announce the match a month in advance. Wait, did they have and- a stipulation where Cody could, would never get another title shot if he lost to Roman? No, right? Mm-hmm. That was never mentioned. If, if, no. that, if that's a thing, then WWE have sprung that on us five minutes ago. Yeah. I, don't, I just want to be sure. No, no. That, wasn't, that was a thing with Brock. They did that SummerSlam with last Brock, year. It was right, like right. the final battle, last man saying the loot. You know, oh, no. That's, he can never challenge you. It was that sort of thing. That's what they were doing on Raw when Cody was like, I want my match tonight. Paul Heyman was like, yeah, you could have your match, but if you lose, you'll never face Roman again. So, yeah, that, that's what it, yeah, was. it was. Yeah, so... Uh, I think, yeah, Cody's going to beat Brock. He'll probably have another, like, mid-card, upper mid-card Raw feud where he's needing to prove himself and get momentum where he faces the Tribal Chief. He'll win money in the bank, and he'll maybe he'll beat Roman. Maybe he doesn't even beat Roman at SummerSlam at this point. Who the hell knows? Because, you know, I guess Reigns holding the title for five years is going to do more for his legacy. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, 
overall thoughts, Kevin, I stand by this the wrong decision. Until WWE executes and really plays out this Cody redemption or whatever story they're going to go for, and it's genuinely consistently quite good and the moment is an amazing moment when the Romans dethrone. Until then, I'm going to say it was clearly the wrong decision. Uh, pal, in in the middle of June, Cody's gonna cut a good promo, and and you'll be you'll be back on the bandwagon. You'll be like, you know what, this is right. WWE made the right decision. Long term storytelling. That we I let I let the bloodline storyline breathe, and now I want to see Cody win at SummerSlam. Can I say on Raw when Cody came out and the crowd was cheering him, and people were like, I had a few people DM me. See, Cody still has his momentum. I didn't say Cody was gonna come out to crickets. Like obviously he's still gonna be cheered. But like the moment was there at WrestleMania, and they 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 blew you, it. You did like, say that he lost all his momentum, though. You did okay, say I said that. he lost momentum, but it is it, in the sense of along like his general character's momentum. I think he lost momentum in that regard. Now he has to rebuild himself, and oh, he has to win Money in the Bank, and oh, he's going to beat Brock twice, and oh, he's going to feud with Finn Balor on Raw for a month. Like, I feel like that's a loss of momentum. So yeah, when he wins the title, maybe the moment will be eighty percent of what it could have been at WrestleMania. That's probably being generous. Knowing WWE, it might be 50 or 60% of what the WrestleMania moment would have been. And that's that's cool. Or maybe Cody never wins at all. Maybe Braun Breaker or Solo Sokoa wins sometime in 2024. Who the hell knows? Um, but yeah. I, I'm going to keep a clip back. of this audio for when you change your mind in the middle of June after Cody cuts one please, good promo. Please, pal. <laughs> pal, this is what Daniel Bryan meant when he called fans fickle. I, uh, do I take back his... My stance, he should have retired before he came back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. All right, pal. So is there anything else you want to get to? I, I think we we covered just about everything. I, I want to talk about this, I guess, before we get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Just close with this. Um, <clears throat> so we got uh, Monday After Raw. Just like, I guess, a general, like, where we're feeling going into Backlash. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they set the play in motion for Bad Bunny and Rey Mysterio to take on Damian Priest and Dominic. We saw Damian Priest viciously and violently assault an A-plus list celebrity at, at ringside, pal. Bad Bunny's sitting at ringside, minding his own business. He's a, he's a patron. He's a, he's a fan. And Damian Priest violently unleashed an attack on Puerto Rico's greatest export, besides rum, pal. And... <laughs> It was despicable, oh despicable actions by by oh Damian no. Priest was Bad Bunny's friend, bro. What happened? But Damian Priest he changes his his friends the, the way you change wrestling opinions, pal. You know, Bad Bunny was his friend, and now he's not anymore. <laughs> I rather change opinions and have the wrong opinions, Kevin. Come on now, come on now, pal. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, we're we're setting the play in motion, um, and. This is gonna be great, I think. If it does end up being a tag team match with those four guys, they're gonna sell out a football stadium in Puerto Rico. It's gonna be phenomenal. And any thoughts on it? It's gonna be great. No, I think I, we we discussed this in the WrestleMania review that this is gonna be a really fun, like great match. And it's the stage is perfectly set for this. Imagine the pop Rey Mysterio and Bad Bunny are gonna get. Like that's gonna be dope. Um, I, I don't know. Do you do you have Dom and? Priest win, or do you have just Ray and Ray get another win over Dominic? Like, how do you go? How do you? What would you do there, Kevin? Hmm. 
I, I think that's that's interesting because you got Bad Bunny. I assume is not going to be up to lose. You know. Yeah. But I don't know what you do with that. That's a good question. I'm going to table that. We're, we're going to talk about that later on. Yeah, I guess because then yeah, let's say yeah, Ray Ray and Bad Bunny get the win and they stand tall. Like I mean, that'd be a great moment. But you know, it's like you want to have Dom just lose twice to his dad after talking all that stuff. It's like well, Dom's the twenty six year old. Ray's fifty. Like yeah. you know, you might as well have. Don win at least one match. Like I get the storylines put him over a lot, but a win would be good. You know, I I don't know. Then again, I don't know. Maybe it's not everything, but I think it's something worth bringing up. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, pal. I'm ready to get out of here. Well, pal, I wanna before 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 I you know end this show when we end this show, pal. I wanna I wanna address something real quick, pal. Cody Rhodes, my my favorite wrestler, pal. Is facing Brock Lesnar. They're running back 2012, Kevin. Are you excited for Cody to be bleeding, crying, dumps Brock on the stairs, hits a crossroads onto a kendo stick, pins Brock, one, two, three. What's your excitement level for Cody and Brock, pal? Walk us through where you're at with that, pal. Well, first of all, I'll say this. I can't wait for Cody versus John Laurinaitis to main event over WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Who'll be stuck on the upper mid card having a great work rate match <laughs> with Finn Balor with Fergs on the undercard, and then Roman Reigns is gonna cut I deserve better promos uh, for the next seven months. <laughs> yeah, right. Now Roman will go on a, an art of wrestling podcast and do a shoot interview and, and rant about the doctors and how they gave him a Z pack. And pal, you'll you'll have Joe and Y on oh Colt Cabana's God. podcast, and then there'll be legal action. Anyway, carry on. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Cody vs. Brock is fun. Like, I, I really loved what they did on Raw. That was the sole, not the sole, but what the brightest highlight of that Raw After Media show was, like, the whole angle with, like, the beginning of the show, you know, Cody's like, I, I'm going to take uh, take on Roman and Solo in a tag team match. I need a tag team partner. And then Brock Lesnar comes out. He's, like, shaking Cody's hand, hugging him. It was great. Everybody and their mother knew that Cody was going to turn on, I mean, um, Brock was going to turn on Cody by the end of the show but it, it was fun while it lasted just the idea of like could you imagine brock lesnar like sitting out like standing on the apron as, as a taxi partner stomping on the steps saying come on come on come on come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine that brock's just like yeah give it to us come on cody hot tag cody like just the idea of that ridiculousness of watching brock lesnar be cody's cheerleader had me intrigued i was intrigued i was like all right well like just the fact that this could happen sign me up like i know it's like we knew it was not gonna happen but the fact that that could have been a reality would have been it was great and it would have been great and they should have at least given us like five minutes of the match at least i i I, I really wanted to see brock play a cheerleader bro and then he could have just beat him up in the middle of the match and left him laying but I was really sad that we didn't get to see Babyface Brock. I know. That's for, you could have literally, yeah, Reigns just stands on the Reigns doesn't have to wrestle. He can just stand on the apron. Sakura and Cody can punch each other for three to five minutes. And you just have Brock, like he's Randy Orton in St. Louis, slamming on the steps with his foot. Come on! Come on! Come on! And he's just, he's just yelling and the crowd's like cheering. Like, that would be just a great moment. Like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, like Brock out there, Suplex City, like li- like whatever, like let's go, Cody, just uh, leading the <laughs> chant. It would have been so good, bro. Like, yeah, Brock's leading a Cody chant. He's just like he- he's like he's just like, come on, come on, Cody, 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 Cody. Yeah, come on, tag me in, tag me in, please. 
Let's just grind. Yeah, then Cody goes for the tag, and Brock's just like, nope. Pulls his hand back, yeah, gets in the ring, Brock beats his ass. He gets back in the ring, refuses to tag in. F5, Reigns and Strakar's like, bounce, bounce. Like, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, right, now, I'm, but this I'm was excited so- for the, the match at back. I was having excited match of Backlash. It should be fun. Um, my stance is still that this should be Cody's first world title defense, and then that would be that much better, but it works. Cody and Brock's a fun combination. Match will be enjoyable. I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, Reigns won't compete at Backlash, more reports. So there you go. There he is, pal. He's, he's protecting the, the championship's prestige, yep. keeping it important. Yep, he's at home on Joe Anawai's couch with his five children. The, 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 the kids are playing with the universal title that Cody should have in his possession right now. <laughs> yeah, all right pal any last words uh no i'm good pal big show next week so once again late hate's gonna keep pumping out the big shows this has been fun this has been a late hate goes undisputed kevin thanks thanks big, one, pal. big show on youtube big elite heat on youtube next week big elite heat on youtube i can't wait monday at 3 p.m big elite heat Sorry, sorry, the cooking. Big announcement, big announcement, guys. Big announcement, big announcement, guys, guys, announcement. Uh, uh, AW, AW, AW. Sorry, the cocaine kicked in. My bad. I was, uh, you know, sorry, when, yeah, when no. I turned my camera off, I went and did a bump. So, oh <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. Don't do drugs, kids. Pal, I'm going to go watch AW Dark Elevation Rampage on YouTube now and watch Keith Lee, the wizard, have a great match. Big match, pal. Big Elite Heat next week, 3 p.m. Monday, Big Elite Heat. Can't wait. See you guys 3 there. 3 p.m. Monday, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. <laughs> I will talk to you all in the next one. Peace.